Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches-sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today. I'm not folding, I'll upset you Cause I'm just too dangerous, I'm dangerous Let's be honest, this ain't no contest Take those comments for my concept From the get-go, I just get so dangerous, so dangerous Alright everyone, welcome to tonight's episode I'm just gonna throw a quick Rising Coaches plug in there um, One of the biggest coaching trees in ever, basically, in the world um, We're super proud of all of the members, um, over 1200, I believe so far. Um, basically we are just a program that emphasizes, um, genuine relationships and helping each other. Um, not only just X's and O's, but in recruiting and development and all of that fun stuff. So I definitely recommend, um, anybody checking that out that wants to pursue, um, a career in coaching. Totally echo that tonight's guests that we have are Rachel Pincus from Notre Dame and Becca Greenwell um, from Duke. She graduated from Duke, but she also now helps the National Players Association. So we're really excited to big time guests tonight. But our first question to you guys is how you start your day. We'd love to know high level people like yourself, how you kick off your mornings. Sure, I can, I can start it off. Um, so the first thing I do, absolutely first thing in the morning, I have to have my coffee. Usually two cups of coffee to get me going. Uh, that's a must. And then I like to get right into my workout. I like to knock it out at the beginning of the day. So it gives me energy. Um, so I like to mix it up today. I actually went swimming to really mix it up, but it was different. That's been my new hobby uh, during quarantine. So something I picked up recently and I've really been enjoying it, but yeah, always coffee and then workout first thing in the morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably pretty similar. Um, I'm not a coffee girl. I still haven't learned to like it. Um, I'm sure I would function a little bit better if I did, but um, especially in, in quarantine and, and um, with all of the uh, stuff that we have kind of this is such uncertain times, especially for an athletic department. So um, I realized if I wasn't getting my workout done first thing in the morning, um, I probably wasn't going to get it because it was meeting followed by another meeting followed by something else. So um it, and it, and really, I feel better once it's done. Um, and then I'm still a little timid about the uh, coronavirus. So getting in early into the gym um, usually means avoiding a big, big crowd. So um, so I'm, I'm the same way. Get after it early. Love that. Yeah, definitely. Um, two great things, I think. Um, so kind of both, I think, what helps you guys be morning workout people. You guys are both former athletes, um, competed at 
some high levels were successful. Um, how has that really kind of jump-started your career and um, just things that you've learned by being a student athlete? How do you now apply that to, you know, the, the normal life? Yeah, um, I can go again. I would just say it's, it's just a natural transition from sport to the business world. Um, I played collegiate basketball at Duke University for five years. Um, and it's just all those intangible skills you pick up as an athlete, um, you know, being on time, being early, working hard, being competitive. Once you get into the business, you, business world, you immediately realize all these things just come natural to you because you had that experience as a collegiate athlete. Um, so now that I've been working for the past two or three years, um, I still try to push myself the same way I did on the basketball court. You know, I'm always trying to put myself in, um, trying new opportunities, um, always trying to add value, um, learning my role, um, and just learning how to give the best I can and make the team, um, as successful as possible. Um, but that's one thing that I think, um, all athletes can do once they get to the business world, just being able to work hard and push themselves and just be a team player. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, one of the um, one of the most valuable things about playing sports and I, I played um, lacrosse at, at UMBC in, in Maryland and um, is just kind of the, um, you know, those intangible skills that you learn um, with, with being part of a team. You know, you learn how to deal with personalities that maybe are very different than yours. Um, you go through some things um, that are that will really kind of push you to a limit. And, and um, you know, I think that if you, you know, that that feeling of constantly like, oh, I should quit this um, comes up a lot. You know, there's they're high motion moments. And I think that um, being able to take criticism was a huge thing that I was able to take from from sports. You know, I was um, probably far less talented than than Becca was um, in, in terms of athletic. Um, you know, I tried really hard, but I, I wasn't naturally gifted per se. So, um, you know, I, I faced a lot of, um, constructive criticism and, and that's a, that's a tough thing to learn how to deal with. And it's one of the things that I think being able to learn it in that environment and being able to understand that, you know, um, a lot of this usually comes from a good place and it's, um, it's intended to make you better and people have a higher expectation of you and being able to learn how to digest that early is huge when it comes to the workplace, because you're, you're just going to be continued to be pushed. And if, if you don't know how to digest that, um, sometimes it can really make it difficult for you to be successful in the workplace. So for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways was, um, you know, when you're, when your back's against the wall and things get tough, um, you know, how are you able to handle that? Um, and, and sports is, is one of the, the best ways to learn a skill like that. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Becca, we talked on the phone earlier this week and you mentioned your playing career at Duke and how you handled a lot of adversity with injuries. So could you just talk about that and how you went through those experiences? Yeah, so I could do a whole hour just on my injuries, but just to highlight um, everything, I've had seven surgeries total. So I've had six knee surgeries and one back surgery, um, three surgeries before I even got to Duke. So just over, being able to overcome those and still be able to play um, at a high level at Duke was um, a huge feat for me. But um, yeah, throughout my playing career, it definitely didn't come easy. There was always some type of adversity that was thrown my way. Um, even my senior year at Duke, I was healthy all four years. And then in my last year, I was dealt with another injury. Um, and I got drafted to play in the WNBA. But unfortunately, again, due to injury, I wasn't able to play. So I had to, you know, adapt and pivot. Um, but overall, just the lesson from that, it taught me so much. So it wasn't the best situation that could have happened to me. Obviously, I wish it would have gone a different way. But just the life skills I learned from having to overcome injury and deal with this adversity and find a way to just change my mindset has really helped me be successful in so many other ways. Um, but just the biggest thing is just trying to see the good and what's being thrown at you. And I think that can translate to a variety of different situations in life, but I would say that's the biggest thing. Um, all my injuries have taught me just trying to have a positive mindset and just being able to adapt and pivot um, with situations that are, are thrown at you. Yeah, definitely. Um, absolutely. Echoing all of that um, injuries, athlete athletics are 
definitely not forever. I think it's a, it's a huge lesson to be learned um, for sure. Uh, Rachel, just to, to kind of speak to you um, or, or both of you too, you guys are both young in your careers. Um, how Rachel, have you been able to um, you've been th- to a t- few different places before kind of landing where you are now. Um, do you want to just kind of share a little about um, the different places you've been and kind of your role um, where you are now? Yeah, yeah. So I would say I, I had probably a little bit of an atypical um, track. And I think the more that the longer I've been in the industry, um, that especially people in my position, um, that seems to be a little bit more normal than not normal. And so um, when I first graduated, um, I graduated during a pretty rough, um, you know, coming out of a recession. And so finding a job was was I found a job, um, but I quickly learned, um, you know, and, and one of the things that both of my parents had said, you know, you're going to work a long time. Um, if you're, if you, if you're miserable, um, you're, you're going to, it's going to feel longer. So, um, you know, I, I was probably, I don't, wouldn't say miserable, but I was, um, unhappy not being in sports and it was just such a, you know, it's such a big part of your life when you're a student athlete that once that's taken from you, it feels like there's such a big void. And so I just was so committed to getting back. So I, I actually went back and got my master's while I was working full time and, um, decided to quit a job, um, which I think probably a lot of people thought I was crazy. And I, I probably was, but was lucky enough to be able to, to land a full-time job, um, after um, just a couple months of my internship, um, was working in golf primarily. And for somebody who had never played golf, I'm actually awful, um, tragically awful at golf, um, but was working in golf in, in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And um, it was really the first time for me to be able to, to really um, figure out, okay, can I take what I learned as an athlete and, and translate this into um, a career? And it was, um, I knew instantly that that's what I needed to be doing was, was working in sports because it was the that feeling of just being, you know, you know, that camaraderie was back in my life. And so, um, uh, the job, uh, at, um, university of Kansas came open and I kind of thought it was a little bit of a Hail Mary, but I applied anyway, um, because there's such a loyal fan base there that, um, I kind of thought that I'd be up against some people who probably graduated from school there and really understood tradition and history. Um, but I was given a chance. Um, Todd Cober, who to this day is one of um, my biggest mentors, gave me a shot. He said, you know, I really feel like you have a skill set that'll translate to this. And so I spent just shy of five years at Kansas. I was working primarily with men's basketball, um, but worked with football, worked with just about every sport that we had there um, and, and really appreciate everything that I learned there, um, good, bad, and otherwise. Um, I think that it was really the place that I, I think I probably grew the most from a, from a uh, professional standpoint. Um, but the opportunity that, that came up at, um, at Notre Dame, where I am now, um, was just a really good opportunity. It was a, a, a chance for me to be able to um, pursue some potential leadership opportunities and, and to work with a team um, you know, I work primarily with men's basketball, you know, um, in amazing coaching staff. So I, I've been really, really spoiled from a basketball standpoint, working with um, Coach Self and his staff at Kansas and now Coach Bray and his staff here at Notre Dame. Um, I, I think that I've probably hit the jackpot in terms of working with with coaching staffs. But um, it's, uh, you know, but it, even though, you know, sports at, at the core, at, especially at the collegiate level is, is really the same. Um, it's, it's, it's wildly different um, where, wherever you go. And um, I think that I've learned a lot in terms of um, just how different every, everything can be, but, but working with student athletes is one of the most rewarding things that I think um, I could, I could be doing. Yeah. And Becca, even um, if you just want to kind of speak to that too, kind of how exactly you have kind of jumped all over you, you wanted to, you know, your playing career ended and then you really needed to look future um, based and you interned with the the players association. So, so kind of how did you get to where you are um, today? Yeah. So similar to Rachel, I've had a very interesting path. Um, I wouldn't have imagined it this way looking back a few years ago, but I'm really glad the way it's turned out. Um, So again, right after I graduated, I got drafted to play, Um, The plan was to rehab for a year and then go play for the Washington Mystics afterwards. Um, So during that rehab process, I didn't want to just focus on basketball. I wanted to try to further my skill set and step into the business world and get some experience that way. Um, So immediately right after I graduated, while I was rehabbing, I moved to Chicago. I got a great opportunity to do an internship um, for a sports marketing company. Um, So that was my first uh, foot in the door in the sports industry, really loved it. Um, but it was just short term and my mind was still focused on basketball. 
Um, so from there, I went back to Duke to really hit it hard um, in rehab. But while I was there, still wanted to get experience. So um, my former SID at Duke asked if I would want to try out broadcasting. So naturally, I'm, I've never really saw myself as a broadcaster. I'm pretty, um, I would say I'm more shy than outgoing. So that was really putting myself out of my comfort zone. But I know Duke basketball well. I have great relationships with everyone there. So I figured to give it a shot. Ended up loving it. Ended up traveling with my former team all over the ACC, calling games, which was a great experience. Um, and at the same time, I worked in the women's and men's basketball office, just getting to see, you know, behind the scenes operations of how a program works. Uh, so I really love that as well. From there, I found out my knee um, the surgery didn't work as possible as, as it should have, um, after rehabbing for like a year and a half. So as you can imagine, that was a very devastating period for me. Um, I even went out to the Washington mystics and worked out with the team and Elena and on for a few days, which was awesome. Um, but my knee just was not, was not good. I mean, after two days of workouts, I was like this, something's wrong. Um, so from there I had to pivot again and my main priority was just fixing my knee. Um, I just wanted to be able to run and walk and live a normal life. And at that point, like I just, I couldn't cause it was still very painful. So I wanted to get a change of scenery, um, decided to move away from Durham, um, moved to Atlanta where my family was living and continued rehab. Um, got an unbelievable opportunity to do an internship with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and so that was an awesome experience. I worked there um, for about a year and I worked in um, community basketball programs. So I got to do a little bit of everything, um, planning camps, clinics, marketing, sponsorships. So really got to experience a lot of different things in the, in a front office setting, which was a great learning experience for me. Um, during that time, I still had my mindset on getting uh, my knee right. And so I wanted to find the best doctor I possibly could. I had to have another surgery. Um, I got in touch with a doctor from New York City at the hospital for special surgery. He's the top doctor in the world um, for the injury I had. He's the team doctor for the Brooklyn Nets. So I went out on a whim, um, had the surgery with him. And I was like, you know, this would be an even better opportunity if I could live here, work, and also rehab um, in New York City. So it took a lot of networking and a lot of small steps to make it happen. Um, but by happenstance, I got in touch with some people at the National Basketball Players Association, um, which is a union for the NBA, and got an interview for an internship, um, and I got the job. So I've now been with the Players Association since February, and COVID hit in March. So I got out of New York a month in and I've been working remote um, from Kentucky ever since. So it's definitely been a whirlwind, um, a lot of different paths that I wouldn't have expected, um, but I wouldn't change it for a second because I've gotten um, a plethora of opportunities and experience with each step of the way. Um, but currently with the MBPA, I love it. I work um, for the for-profit marketing arm of the MBPA called Think 450. So there's 450 players in the NBA, hence 450. And um, I work in grassroots basketball and business development. So I help run camps, clinics, get union members, NBA players and WNBA players involved um, in grassroots events. Um, we also do virtual programming and more, a lot of digital marketing now that everything is more digital with COVID. Um, and we also help players find business opportunities outside of sports. So within my three years, long story short, I've gotten to touch a lot of different aspects of the industry. Um, and I, I really love my current position with the MBPA. That's great. Kind of every answer you've had, it's been like pivot and adjusting and adapting to, you know, whatever has been thrown your way. You even just talk about um, how you've been able to, during this whole time, really, you know, create your own brand with your own training while also managing your role um, with the National Basketball Players Association? Yeah, um, so right after I graduated, I've always had a natural um, passion um, for grassroots basketball, so helping young players um, learn what it takes to succeed. So immediately after I graduated from Duke, I started running camps 
um, for young boys and girls in my hometown. And I've kind of just expanded it now. So I do, I try to do as many camps and clinics as I can. Um, I also try to do um, skills training um, in the cities I am now. I'm so transient. It's been more hard to keep up with that. Um, but I still at least try to have two or three camps. Um, but yeah, it's called the BG23 um, Academy. And I love it just because I knew I could see myself um, in their shoes. I was that young girl uh, back in the day. And the way I became um, the player I was that got me to Duke was just going to camps and clinics. So I just want to be able to give back uh, to young girls out there and boys who want to try to um, achieve their basketball dreams. So just started camps and clinics and it's a passion of mine. So it doesn't feel like work um, when I'm working on these things. And I'm also able to use the skills that I've learned throughout the Hawks and the players association to help run my own camps and build my own brand. So it's really all worked out for the best. Yeah. A huge thing is just building brands. Um, Rachel, you kind of manage someone else's brand. A lot of people's different brands, um, being in the communication department. Um, I feel like not a lot of people understand communications. I just did a graduate assistantship with a communications department, being a former uh, women's basketball player. I knew there was a lot that went into it, but I didn't realize, you know, how much, and that was just at a, a mid-major. So you're, you're in the big leagues for sure when it comes to college sports, but what are just kind of your main responsibilities as the communications director for your program? Um, how have things changed now from you being at Notre Dame now and what kind of are some things that you, you want to see yourself expanding into uh, moving forward? Yeah, so um, brand is is so important, and and I think um, you know I, we we have athletes who get sick of hearing me say this. We have coaches that get sick of hearing me say this, but but brand is so important, and I think the reason people um, tend to be a little bit opposed to it is largely because it feels a little uncomfortable. Um, it it borders on that area of am I being self promotional? But um, you kind of have to be, you know, especially in a, in a day and age where a lot of people get their information um, from social media, um, even if it, it stems to other um, outlets. Um, but it's so important to, to brand yourself, especially since, um, you know, I've I've had the the pleasure of working with student athletes. Some of them go on to play professional sports. Some of them them don't. But but nonetheless, they go on to do great things. And and at the end of the day, whether you're going to be on an NBA roster or you're going to be um, you know on staff at, at a at a at a business uh, of some sort, um, the the bottom line is 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 having a personal brand is is so critical because you know there's so many people in this world and there's such high competition for for jobs these days, whether it's an athletics job um, or, or otherwise. And so um, being able to really kind of distinguish yourself is huge. And so um, we see that a lot um, in athletics. You know, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be trusted with the, um, the Notre Dame basketball brand. Um, and um, I think that um, even back to my days with, with Kansas, I think um, one of the most exciting things about my job is that it truly does change. Um, as soon as social media changes, um, we kind of have to pivot and, and adjust our approach. Um, and, um, and that's where the creativity um, part of my job comes in. Um, and that's what I like most. But the important thing is, is that, you know, people consume sports um, different today than they did two years ago than they did five years ago and definitely decades ago. And so um, our job as, as brand managers, if you will, um, is to make sure that we're doing that to, to cater to the people who are consuming um, sports. And I think since sports is such a universal language, if you will, um, you know, it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter your background. Um, sports is something that can bind all of us together and, and it kind of creates this, um, this unity. Um, and so, you know, especially in recent times, things have changed a, because of the, the virus, you know, we have to be physically apart and that's one of the biggest challenges, not just for me, but for anybody who's in my shoes. Um, we don't have access to our players, to our coaches, the way that we used to. Um, and then same thing with, with, um, you know, social injustice, you know, there, um, you know, the narrative around sports has changed and, um, 
you know, one of the important things of that is that as much as I am on the forefront of distributing information, I have to be really cognizant of listening to um, our fans and our followers. And, and of course, our student athletes and our coaches figuring out what's important to them. What is it that we stand for and how am I going to do? Because it's not, you know, just because I'm running it doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's about me. Um, as a matter of fact, it's, it's never about me. And so um, making sure that I am cognizant of all of those different factors and all of the different things that go into that um, is, is super important. Um, and it's, and it changes every day. And I think that that's kind of the exciting piece of it. I think the, the biggest challenge will be how do we finish 2020? You know, will we have football? Will we have basketball? Um, my hope is that, and we've seen um, some success with some of the other sports, you know, the, the basketball tournament, which is an alumni kind of chair, chair, I think it has become a charity tournament mostly because a lot of these teams donate a lot of the money, but um, you know, we see it a lot, you know, they've had success. They successfully were able to complete a tournament without the spread, um, you know, keeping that the virus contained. So um, I'm hopeful that, that we'll have sports, but we just don't know. And if that's the case, you know, what does it look like? Um, how are we bringing sports to people, especially if we can't have fans in, in stadiums? So definitely a lot of challenges, but um, I think it forces us to be creative, which um, is what our fans, um, you know, our fans are so loyal and um, I think we owe it to them. Those are really good points. I think it is a very different time now and just making sure we're all doing our part. How have you both been, you know, raising your platforms during this time to, you know, bring awareness to topics outside of sports, if you just want to go into that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what, you know, obviously the, the, the biggest, the biggest piece of that is social injustice. And, um, you know, it, it's a challenge because, um, it forces you to have some really difficult conversations. Um, and a lot of people are uncomfortable having those conversations. Um, but I think one of the reasons that we've had some success, and of course, you know, football, you know, has, has been a prominent piece of that um, here at Notre Dame, just because, you know, the students, those student athletes are back on campus, but there's been a lot of support throughout the department. Um, but it's one of those things that not only do you have to have the difficult conversations, but you have to be time sensitive. This isn't something that you really get a chance to sit and stew on. How do we feel about this? Well, what if we have people that don't agree with it? Because the reality is, is, is not everybody's going to agree. And that's any decision you make as, as um, an institution, um, whether it's professional, whether it's collegiate is, is, um, you know, people are entitled to and do have differing opinions. But, um, you know, this, this kind of social injustice um, issue that really kind of started to, to um, come to a head here, especially during, um, recent months, um, one of the things um, that, that became so important was that, that we had those difficult conversations. Um, aside from that, you know, one of the biggest um, things that I had to do to shift my focus was, was to understand that, you know, I don't, um, you know, as a, as a white female, I, I don't and can't understand um, that stance. And so I owed it um, for me to continue to be successful with my job was, was to, to, to talk to people who did have insight um, on, on what this meant um, and, and how it impacted them. And, and the big thing was, is how do we make the platform um, you know, kind of a bouncing off point for our student athletes and our coaches? You know, um, this this, you know, the whole concept of brand management is how, is how do you protect and promote your student athletes, your, um, your coaching staff and your program. The best way to do that is, is to talk to them, help, help enable their voice and help them, um, understand that, that they do have a power there. And so I would say that's the biggest, um, shift in dynamics in terms of, of social media. Um, that may be a little bit of a generalization, but, but definitely from the seat that I'm sitting in is kind of understanding, you know, yes, I'm pushing send on a lot of this content, but, um, it's not about my experience. It, it, it's about educating people. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we're a higher education institution. We, we owe it to um, our fans, to our student athletes to, to educate. And that's outside of the classroom as well. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I love to see the power of sports. I, I've always, you know, being an athlete and being a sports fan, I've always known how powerful sports is, but I think this is just another way for us to kind of really recognize that there is a power in sport. Um, you know, that yes, you know, our, our athletes are playing, um, something that's entertaining us, but they have voices They're They're educated in, in this realm. Um, how do we make sure that people hear their voice and how do we give, um, give them that opportunity? Yeah, I would say, um, similar to Rachel, we've, we've done a lot of pivoting, um, with my company, but for me, it's really just been a lot of listening and learning 
Um, we obviously, we represent NBA players, all 450 of them. And so it's really important to be able to listen to their concerns and not only just listen, but um, take a stance and, and make a change. So we've done a lot of different initiatives to support them um, as far as what we've done in the community, um, who all we're giving back to. And also just from a brand, uh, a brand perspective, um, we've really taken a shift on our website, on our social media, um, everything to just really tailor to um, the, the, the times that we're going through now. So it's been a really interesting time. Um, but for me, just mainly uh, a lot of listening and learning. And there's definitely been some uncomfortable situations. But I think overall, it's just been a great experience to be able to hear different perspectives um, and also just a great experience business-wise being able to, to see how things can change so quickly and how to adapt um, best to the situation. Yes, definitely. Um, you guys both being a part of teams and now being in kind of a support staff role and really trying to make others around you um, look the great, look the best. Um, how does that, like, how do you try to be the best employee, especially now, obviously, um, with COVID hitting that guy, I know you just kind of started and things are all over the place. Um, Rachel, like you're social mediaing, obviously from home. Um, but now you're able to kind of get out, take pictures, um, kind of what we were talking about earlier before our show started, but, but what kind of does, does your team look like now and how can you really be the best teammate and, and do all the things to make everyone around you look, look great as well as yourself. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll start by saying I'm, I'm is supremely thankful that I, that I have a job and that's not to say that, that um, there's concern from a, from a performance standpoint, at least I hope not, especially if my boss is watching, but, um, but, but the reality is, is there's a lot of people in this time in sports and other industries that, that have not been great, have not been lucky enough to be able to keep their, their job. And, and this, that's, that's indicative of how, how tragic this, this virus has been. Um, but I think the big thing for me right now, especially because I'm, I'm still relatively new, you know, with it being July, um, you know, I've only been here about six and a half months at Notre Dame, um, is, is a, is, is being a sponge. Um, however I can learn and whatever I can learn from the people who are here, um, I, I take every opportunity that I can and really kind of being a yes man, um, not, not a pushover, but, but really understanding that, Hey, like we were, we were athletes once, um, there's no better time than now that to, to display the, the concept of, of teamwork and, and being a team player as now, because, um, you know, resource resources are, are, are tight, you know, and that's whether that's people or equipment or whatever it may be. Um, and, and the reality of it is, is um, nobody's job is going to be the same as it was before this. And so, um, you know, if I have a skill set that I can offer and, and I may not work with our you know, um, men's and women's lacrosse programs. But if it, if it, if there's an opportunity for me to lend a skill set that I have to that group, then, then yes, is always going to be my answer. And, and I think that that's one of the beautiful things about the group that I work with at here at Notre Dame is, is that, um, you know, it, it's always, yes, it's the, yes, I'll do that. And yes, I'll do that. I don't know how to do that, but if somebody teaches me, I'll do that. So, um, I think that that's where you start to see success, especially in different organizations is just being able to have people who are flexible and willing to help because, um, you know, we have to come together, to, you know, against, um, you know, uh, this virus, we have to come together to get sports back. You know, we, we have to come together on all fronts. Yeah. And I would, I would just say flexibility is a very, very coveted skill. That's something I've learned uh, during my my few months with the MBPA. Just exactly what Rachel said, always saying yes, always trying to find a way to add value, even if you don't have that skill set yet, whether it's after work or before work, working on gaining that skill set so you can find a way to add value in different ways. Um, for me personally, I work on my department's very small. We only have four full-time employees and then me. Um, but during this time, I've always tried to be creative in ways I can help. So I started learning Photoshop and graphic design and video. And throughout this experience, that's ended up being a huge, huge help um, for our team. And it's really give, given me this leverage. Um, and it's really created a need for my team. Um, and that's something, you know, four months ago, I didn't even have that skill. And now I'm kind of like the go-to content creator for my team. So I would say, you know, just always trying to find ways um, to add value. Sometimes it's going to take a lot of extra work. Um, but if you're willing to put in that work in, that work in, um, big things will happen. So I've learned, I've just always been trying to 
learn new skills, also collaborate with different departments because you never know if there's not an opportunity right away, there might be one with a different department. So always just trying to help those around you. Um, I think that's what sport really does a great job at teaching. You're always trying to build each other up. So it's the same thing for the business world. If you can find um, an example of a way to build your teammate, teammate up, it's gonna come back to you in some shape or form. So just always being humble and um, just praising those around you is my biggest piece of advice. I 100% agree. I think we got to build people up more than we usually do, you know, got to lift other people up. You know, uh, my biggest lesson in this quarantine has been relationships. So both of you are very good at communicating and connecting and working with other people. How have you just over the years been able to connect with coworkers, with other people at different schools and, you know, maybe just want to share um, some people that have been mentors to you that have really helped um, keep you going. Yeah, I would say relationships hand down, hands down is the most um, important thing, regardless of, of what it is that you, um, whatever it is that you do. Um, I would say that, um, you know, taking, taking the opportunity to understand that every person that you meet um, has something to offer you, um, whether it's just a minor lesson, whether it's a connection that they have that they can connect you with. Um, if you don't approach people that way and don't come off understanding that, hey, that first meeting might be your first and only, um, but it's, it's your only chance to make an, an impression and, and to understand that the better you understand people. And I work heavily with student athletes and with, with coaching staffs. Um, you know, presence is huge for me. Um, just being a presence and, and not necessarily a loud one. You know, I, I will show up at practices and, and not say a single word, um, but being able to hear um, and just kind of observe the dynamic, I think is huge. Um, I, I would say, you know, me being on the social media side, um, for, for anybody who who is, is watching this, um, you know, I would say social media is the, one of the underutilized um, tools in terms of, of connecting with other people. You know, there were, especially, you know, for those of us that are young, kind of have grown up with social media, um, everybody's there. And it, the whole purpose of social media is to have this um, open dialogue and, and what better place to have an open dialogue, especially about your future. If you want to go into sports, if you want to work um, peripherally in some facet of sports, it is to connect with people that way. Um, I, I would say that I've met a ton of people, um, you know, that I've, I've met, um, you know, through, through Twitter that I might not meet ever, or, or I might meet in person three or four years later. Um, and, and these are some of the, the most profound relationships that I've, that I've been able to establish, um, just because, um, you just, you just don't know who people know, um, and connectivity is huge. Yeah. Relationships are everything. Um, and I, I think it starts really young for me. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, just the relationships I built, um, when I was being recruited with, with coaches I met, even if it was a coach I ended up saying no to, now I find myself um, realizing, oh, wow, especially for people who want to go into coaching, like you want to always maintain those relationships no matter what, because you never know in the future um, when you're going to cross paths again. In the sports industry um, specifically, it's very, very small. People know each other. They, they know your reputation. So you really need to work hard at having a good reputation and just keeping good relationships with everyone. And it, it shouldn't be distant, it, sh it should be genuine. You should just come across that way. Um, and that's gonna help you be successful. But um, for me, every single internship or job opportunity I've had, um, it wasn't even, um, there wasn't an opportunity. I kind of made, made each uh, job that I've gotten happen just based off relationships. Um, so I would say it's huge. Um, definitely put in a lot of effort, um, to maintain those relationships. I've had a lot of great mentors that I keep up with all the time. I would say one mentor, um, that has really helped me a lot, um, is Debbie Antonelli. She's a ESPN broadcaster and it's funny, our relationship, I got to know her, um, from her calling my games and we just stayed in touch, stayed in touch over the years. And now she's a huge mentor to me. And I actually had a phone call with her today. And I'm going to get um, start to get involved with her nonprofit and we're going to do some big events together. So it's just funny how the world works. Um, but yeah, relationships are, are key. They're everything. Well, congratulations on 
getting that new project with her. That's awesome. But I totally love both of your responses. Could you even just hit on what it's been like to be a woman in a male dominated industry? And, you know, how have you dealt with that adversity um, and continue to create, you know, opportunities for yourselves, like you mentioned? Um, yeah, so we're definitely underrepresented in the industry. Um, but again, back to sports, sports teach you confidence. Um, they teach you um, how to deal with different personalities. Um, so I would say that's just the biggest thing, translating that to the real world. Um, when you walk in their room, you might be the only woman, um, but if you're confident, no one's going to question you. So that's, that's the biggest key, just trying to be comfortable um, being in those situations. And honestly, it's never been an issue for me. I've always been um, pretty confident. And I know if I put in the work, I'm going to be just as successful as everyone else in the room. So as long as you're willing to put in the work and you're not um, underprepared, um, it, it's, it's just all about confidence and maintaining those relationships. Yeah, I, I will definitely echo the, the confidence piece of it because w without that, um, you're, you're going to hesitate. You're going to second guess yourself. But I, I think the big thing too, especially as a woman, and, and I think there are, are probably a lot of um, groups of, of, of individuals that are probably underrepresented um, in sports in general. Um, and, and I think that everybody kind of has a different, a different challenge. But I think the important thing is, is um, you know, is not looking at yourself that, that way um, and kind of understanding like, like at the end of the day, like this is my skill sets and I'm going to do everything I can to prove that this is, this is my value. Um, and, and that, um, that kind of, um, laser focus on, on what can I do? Not, not what am I, am I a woman? Am I a man? That, that, that doesn't dictate your ability to do a job. What you can, can do and what you can bring to the table is, is 110% the, your value in terms of, of a job and being able to go all in on that. Um, it, it kind of forces people's back against the wall. Like the, there's, there's no other opportunity than to give you that opportunity. And I think the other big thing is, is, is women building up other women. I think it's important because, um, you know, it, we grow up and, and when we're little, you know, it's a, it's a common, um, I don't know if we call it a stereotype, but you know, there, there's a lot of women who like to, to kind of nitpick at other women. And, and I think that it's, um, you know, a little bit of a cancer almost, but it's incredible. I, I can tell you, I have some, some female friends, um, you know, that, um, will, will, 10 times out of 10 go to bat for other women and, and, and really make sure that a, that confidence stays because, you know, one, one situation where, you know, your gender comes into play, um, can, can do it and can have a, an impact to your confidence, but, but kind of rallying and making those networks and, and kind of learning from each other and each other's experience, um, is really helpful because, you know, if, just because somebody else has gone through, it doesn't mean that you should also have to go through that, you know, learn from their, from their experiences. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that stems outside of, of gender as well. Um, but, but especially, you know, women supporting women, I think it's a huge, it, it's, it's a, it's a movement, I will say, um, if I can. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's massively important. Yes, both of those answers, 100%. Um, definitely. Um, just kind of something, last question, just kind of based on branding and, and, you know, building that identity and, you know, building that confidence. How have you guys been able to um, like brand yourselves, brand um, just kind of what you're about? Um, I feel like you can brand for the future as well. Um, Becca, you're obviously kind of like a product of what the communications department does, like what Rachel does. So what what can you guys kind of recommend to viewers for branding themselves? Um, you guys both use your platform super well. So just kind of things that you focus on with even just things you post on socials, things you retweet, if you guys could just kind of speak to that. Yeah, I would say um, just follow your passions. Don't do anything that doesn't fit you or doesn't feel natural. Um, for me, my brand changed a little bit. You know, whenever I was in college, it was all Duke. Every single post I had was Duke um, because that was my world. That was the bubble I was in. Um, but now that I've been out for a few, a few years, it's starting to change and it's um, starting to focus more towards business, um, sports business in particular. So back to women supporting women, I feel like now on social media, I'm following um, different platforms like this. And it's just what I'm naturally interested in now. Um, so I would say to just be mo your most authentic self. Um, it doesn't have to be fake. You just follow your passions and then 
whatever those passions are will come out naturally. Um, I'm sure Rachel will have a, a better answer to be more strategic about it. But for me, it's just uh, following my passion and just posting and promoting uh, what I love to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is, is what you're passionate about and what, what matters to you is, is always should always be at the root of, of what you're doing. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is people feel like they have to do a little bit of everything. Like how do I post and represent every tiny little aspect of my life? Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is, is just because we're humans and we're out there um, for, for the public doesn't necessarily mean you have to put yourself completely out there. You know, you don't necessarily, I, I know a lot of people who say, look, my, my personal life is my personal life, but I will share my passions until I'm blue in the face. And so I think, um, you know, I think a lot of it stems from, you know, you start to follow people that that speak about interests to you um and then conversations kind of start you know i think early on when you know it's brand the word brand is such a daunting word because you feel like oh well you've got people like lebron who have a, a literal brand that probably have logos if there's millions of dollars behind it i don't have that i'm just this average person but the, but the reality of it is is that everybody has a brand it's just difficult because I think people overthink it. Um, I think that starting young, you know, I didn't really know what my brand was. I knew that I loved sports. I knew that I was a, a, a student athlete and that mattered to me. And that was kind of my life. Um, but once I started to kind of follow other people that were, were kind of, um, you know, putting out messaging that was in line with either my values or things that I prioritized or things that I was passionate about, you start to kind of get in these conversations and you start to find your voice naturally and you're able to generate some organic content and you're, you're then adding value value to that overall conversation. People start to turn to you um, as kind of the pseudo authority on that. Um, and, and everybody's different. You know, some, some coaches go, okay, well, I'm just going to be the next coach that posts this picture. And I'm, I'm my, my brand is I try to make you a better basketball player. Well, the reality is, is yes, that's, that's your shared passion. But at the end of the day, everybody has a different approach. You know, some people, you know, coach Bray is, is one of the most carefree guys ever. He, he trusts his players. Um, but, but he is super, super talented in the way that he goes about coaching. Not every coach has that brand. That's, that's very true to him. And I think a lot of his messaging comes off that way. Um, same, same way, you know, each of his assistants are very different in their own way, but I think that that, that lends to their success from a recruiting standpoint is that they're able to speak to their recruits that way. So I would say, you know, whatever it is that you do, and some people use their social media, like I, I say, Beck and I probably use it a lot from a professional standpoint because sports is a passion and it's a job for us. So it kind of truly is life for us. So it's probably easier for us to kind of have this giant brand um, that's surrounded around that. But even people who aren't in sports, um, I, I would say that you still have a brand and it, it, it's basically what do people kind of expect from you? And what do you, what do you like to talk about? What do you like to put out there? If it doesn't feel authentic, if it feels like you're just doing a trend to do a trend, it's probably not part of your brand. Um, but brands are ever, ever changing. You know, I think a lot of people have started to take you know, stands on, um, you know, social justice. And maybe that wasn't something that they were super vocal about before, but that, you know, it, it's the same thing, you know, just like Nike is evolving and, you know, the brands that, that we manage are evolving, um, brands evolve and, and that's to fit the time that we're in. And so I think it's important to remember and give yourself a little bit of flexibility to understand your brand is probably going to change as well. Um, and, and to let yourself kind of have the grace to do that. Incredible. That's that's really good advice and information. We're going to open up for our viewers to ask questions. So some of you have dropped them in the chat box. So Jonathan, if you want to go ahead and ask the question that you shared and introduce yourself, of course. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know I was about first. Um, my name is Jonathan Finkel. So uh, I don't really coach anywhere right now, but you know, I'm definitely looking to get back in it. Um, my question, obviously with Vanderbilt, it's more towards uh, Rachel, but I mean, Becca, you can chime in as well if you'd like. Um, Vanderbilt, obviously, I don't know if you saw the news, but they're absorbing their athletic communications department. And, you know, I follow a lot of graphic designers that work in athletic departments on social media. So a lot of those people obviously had, uh, you know, their thoughts and opinions on it. How important is athletic communications to those programs? You know, what do they do that, you know, people that work in programs, they can't necessarily hire people to specifically do, you know, those jobs because there's so many things you have to do. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Obviously I don't and have never worked for, for Vanderbilt. Um, so to, to kind of speak to what their logic is would be, um, kind of a misstep, but I think, you know, 
some of that dynamic is pro- probably has something to do with the fact that I've worked at two institutions and, and one where athletics was actually a separate institution. Um, and, and then I've, I'm, I'm now working at an institution where athletics is part of the overall university. I think there are pros and cons to both, I think. Um, and I think that that could be um, a piece of what um, Vanderbilt was considering that. I think, um, and, and I, I will preface this by saying that clearly I, I have a bias because I'm in an athletics communications department. But I think one of the most misunderstood things about communications is that once upon a time, these were the people who were kind of keeping the stats, the history books, um, writing pregame and postgame press releases and and kind of, and game notes that, that it was kind of this, that, you know, that that they were for all intents and purposes, keeping sports alive for the longevity of, of however long you had that sport. But the reality is, is, is there's, there are such multifaceted such dynamic individuals in these communications departments that um, they can do so much more. I mean, you have communications individuals who are hired purely for that, but they're out there, you know, some of them are, are, are shooting and editing video, um, to, you know, to, to Becca's point, you know, um, you know, just because you don't necessarily have that on the forefront of your, this is my, my main skill set. You don't, I mean, they may not be true graphic designers, but you know, they're, they're designing things on, on the side. So I think that, you know, communications departments are, um, are, are important and they're valuable because they, they've evolved and they, they're able to do a lot more than they once were able to do. Um, so I imagine that, you know, without knowing anybody personally who works at Vanderbilt, I imagine that there were probably some really, um, talented folks that unfortunately were out of jobs in that, in that place. But, um, it's unfortunate too, because some of that is a little bit telling of just kind of the, the, the environment that we're in. Um, and, and that maybe not so much about their opinion about, okay, communications professionals are kind of worthless. We're going to kick them to the curb. So I'm sure Vanderbilt had a tough decision to make, um, when, when they did that. Um, I have no doubt about that, but, um, I will say that, um, you know, communications professionals, and, and I'm a little bit more digital and social, so I'm not a true, I'm a kind of a hybrid, I guess, but but our true communications groups are, are definitely unsung heroes um, from the standpoint of they can do so much more than what their titles indicate. Jacob, you had a question. You can go ahead. What's up, everybody? I'm Jacob Glendo. I'm a manager at University of Texas, Pro Grand Valley, the men's basketball team. And just a couple of questions as what books you guys are currently reading and what do y'all recommend with quarantine? I've had a, I've had a lot more time to read. <laughs> love that. I love that. Um, yeah, you know, I think, um, I think reading, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say the whole title because it has a curse word in it, but the subtle art of not giving a F word. Um, I, I don't know if you've read it, but I, I'm actually reading that. I'd like to read kind of, um, I don't know if those are considered self-help books, but um, it kind of gives a a little bit of a perspective on just um, the title is very aggressive, but the the whole concept of it is, is, is caring less about things that truly don't matter. And I think we could all kind of, at the end of the day, use a little bit of that because, you know, we have a finite amount of energy that we can expend on things. And, um, you know, I admittedly would, would let myself get kind of caught up in things that, you know, in hindsight, does this matter? No. Um, and figuring out how to get into a mindset, you know, to figure out, you know, what, what matters, where do we have to invest our energy? So, um, if you haven't read it, I highly, I highly recommend that. That's kind of what I'm currently reading. Yeah, I've also read that book. It's funny, my college coach at Duke gave it to every single person on the team, made us read it, but great, great read for sure. Um, two books that I've read through quarantine. One is called Atomic Habits. It's all just about building habits, the science behind it, um, and just really sticking to them. Um, but that's a great read. And then the other one I just bought is called Dream Big by Bob Goff, another self-help type book, but uh, very lighthearted, um, super inspirational. So two great reads for sure. I feel like one of my friends sends me Atomic Habits almost every day because that's one thing I'm struggling with, with kind of this limbo of life um, and Photoshop. So Becca, you're really just speaking to my heart um, tonight. I'm like really need to get on the ball and get out of my comfort zone. Um, but Coach Omega, um, you have a question. You can go Go ahead and unmute yourself and ask it. Okay, can you guys hear me? Sure can. Okay, so my first question is for both of you. My second question is for Becca. My first question is, um, what what are you guys' goals now? So what do you what are you working toward? You kind of told us about where you've been, but what's like your dream 
job? What are you working toward? And then my question for Becca is, what did you think about the new hire of Kara Lawson as the women's basketball coach? Yeah, let's answer one first. Okay, I'll, do you want me to start so that you can kind of segue into it? So um, I would say if I've learned anything um, is that my my goals are um, probably ever evolving. It's it's kind of funny because, um, you know, once upon a time I told myself, I am never taking a job in social media. There's no way it's trendy. It's it's a fad. I'm not putting my livelihood on the line for that. And here I am years years later still doing it. And it's it's a full-blown industry. So I, I would say um, more than anything, um, I try to focus my goals less on like where specifically I want to be. You know, I, I love Notre Dame now that I'm here, but it was never necessarily on my radar as an institution. Um, for me, it was more, a how do I, ch- my, my goals for myself is how do I chase opportunities to, to be a leader, even if it's not necessarily a position of leadership, how do I, how do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm working with, um, you know, the types of people and the types of student athletes that I want to work with. Um, so I think I would say the goals are more, um, priorities than anything. And then, and then just being able to stay mindful of, okay, where are the best places that those opportunities are going to be? Because you don't necessarily know And sports is one of those, um, you know, I, I don't know how many states that Becca has lived in, but it's probably a handful like myself. Um, you, you kind of just um, surrender to the, the idea of like, hey, you know, as soon as you let go of the fact that, you know, um, I don't know where I'm going to be geographically, um, you, you kind of open yourself up to a, a, just a world of um, opportunities because um, once, once you focus on, on what your priorities are, those opportunities kind of pop up and, and you're able to kind of ebb and flow into that. And um, especially with a market that we don't know what sports will look like the rest of this year or five years from now. Um, I think to me, it's a little bit less overwhelming to look at what, what am I supposed to be doing in five years um, instead of um, what, what do I want to try and be achieving? Yeah, my goals are, are definitely ever changing as well. Um, I think that's what's special and funny about sports. Um, one day I want to be an ESPN broadcaster. The next I want to be a coach. Sometimes I want to be a marketing director. So it's, it's different every day, but at the end of the day, it's really just about trying to empower those around me. I think that's what I want to do um, the most out of everything. And I think you can do that in different ways and different roles. So just trying to empower others and also just be the best you can be um, at whatever it is. But um, definitely just follow your passions. Um, for me, same thing to you. Just when you let go of where you're going to be, you can like be free as cheesy as that sounds, but it's so true. I've lived in Chicago, Atlanta, New York, and now I'm back in Kentucky within like two years. So it's, it's kind of wild. It gets crazy at times. Um, but I finally feel like I'm moving in the right direction and it's, it's just been chasing opportunities that I feel passionate about. Um, so yeah, so ever changing, ever evolving, um, to answer the second question, I'm so excited about Kara Lawson being the new head coach at Duke university Literally right before this call, uh, we had an alumni Zoom call with Kara, which was so cool. There was like 80 Duke women's basketball alums and Kara, and I had chills. Like we were all messaging in the chat room, like we wish we had more eligibility. We were all hyped up. So I think it's going to completely change the program. Like I could see them being at the final four in four years. So big things coming for that program, and I'm, I'm just super excited to be a part of it. Thank you. No problem. Thank you both. Great questions. Um, Jonathan, you have one more. You can go ahead and unmute yourself. Uh, This is for, my question is more for Becca. Um, Obviously you mentioned you had surgeries and you went to rehab. What were some of the biggest things you learned about yourself while you were rehabbing? You're not, you're not able to do as much as, as you would like to as an athlete and you're kind of stationary sometimes. So what were kind of the biggest things you learned about yourself during that process? Yeah. Um, I learned I'm extremely mentally tough. Like my first ACL tear, I thought it was the end of the world when I was in high school. Um, but I came back from that. The second one, I thought I was, it was totally the end. And now I'm like six surgeries in and like was still trying to play a few months ago. So it really has just, um, taught me I'm, I'm extremely mentally tough and I have this ability now to, turn everything that happens into a positive. So obviously wish I didn't have any injury, but I think I'm more mentally tough than anyone out there because of all the injuries I've gone through. Um, it's just taught me how to 
work hard um, towards my goal and adapt, which if you take anything out of my story, I've adapted and pivoted a lot. And I think that comes directly from all the injuries I've been dealt with. Um, so injuries are tough for all athletes, but always just try to see the good that can come out of them. Great questions, everyone, even better answers. Um, kind of as we start wrapping up, just to be um, super respectful of y'all's time, um, just to kind of hit, like, this is a platform for women in sports. This is what, you know, we're all about and what we want to um, really try to advance that narrative. What is just kind of your guys's one kind of advice you can leave for, you know, girls, young ladies like me and Ashton, um, kind of moving into and finding our identities as well in, in the industry as women. Yeah, I would, I would say that the biggest thing is, is don't ever look at anything as, as off limits. Um, I, I think that I, kind of told myself that, you know, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of internships coming out of college in sports. So if I get, if I can get a job in sports, great. If not, then it's just not meant to be. And I think, um, you know, that was the first point of, you know what, I can go back to school. I can give, I can give this a go and um, quit a full-time job for an internship that, that hardly paid um, enough to cover food and cell phone bill. And, um, and then, you know, and even Kansas, I think, you know, I kind of applied for that as, as a Hail Mary at the time um, because of, of the, um, you know, the, the priority that they place on, on history and tradition. So I would just say, don't look at anything that's, that's off limits. Obviously, um, you know, I say that, that loosely, you know, be realistic, but nothing, nothing's truly off limits. And if you feel like there's something that, that you're willing to invest the energy into, um, even if you feel like you're a little underqualified or a little underprepared for it, um, there's so many resources that, um, don't cost anything to you. You know, um, anybody who's here, um, you know, I'm happy to share my email or my Twitter or whatever, um, shoot me a note, you know, and I, and I like to offer that to people because I know that there are people who did that for me. It was the, um, you know, I, Hey, so-and-so I feel super unprepared for this. Do you think I have the capability of doing this? And the answer was always yes, or the yes, but, and, and being able to work through that with people that you, that, you know, and that you trust. And, and I think, um, you know, just, just knowing that, you know, a, your network is huge. So you, you do, you have to commit to the relationships piece of it, which means you have to put in just as much as you take out of it. It can't be, um, you know, a constant give cause you, you will kind of get a little bit of a reputation for that, but, um, don't, don't see anything as, as off limits. And, and, um, I, I say that is as long as you're willing to do the work, um, you know, there, there's resources out there to, to help you get to that point. And it might take a little bit of time, but, but patience is where, that, where um, what gets you over that hump. Yeah, and I would say um, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, it's not going to be easy, especially in the beginning as you're just getting started. You might be working for free. You might be making chump change. It's just a part of the process. Um, but slowly, if you continue to grind and, and put in that work, it's, it's going to start to pay dividends. And if you can find a job that you're passionate about, um, you're going to love it. I, I love, I've loved every job I've had in sports just because I'm so passionate about it. Um, and the other thing is don't wait for opportunities to come to you. Uh, you have to actively seek them. You can't just think, oh, maybe one day I'll get here without doing anything to get there. It takes a lot of uh, persistence, a lot of consistency. You're going to have to maintain those relationships, continue to reach out, even if you don't know what exactly you're getting out of it, um, it'll slowly start to come together. So put yourself out there, you know, go to networking events, um, show up when you don't want to, um, because it's gonna, it's gonna pay off at some point. Really good. <laughs> Sorry. <Aaron. laughs> no, you're good. I knew it was gonna happen at some point. Um, both great advice. Um, so just kind of something that we do to really end um, our episodes is um, just kind of hitting on our points of pride. We always um, want to make sure that our, our guests um, can can share their hearts and, and what kind of fuels them every day. So if you guys both just want to kind of tell us your own points of pride and, and that being just the one thing that gets you through the day, um, you know, whether you've had the worst day ever or the best day, just, just that one thing that you can really, really focus on that, to get you through, um, through the next day. 
I would say for me, um, the, the biggest reward is just, is knowing that my work can, can make a difference. Um, I've seen a lot of student athletes kind of really grow into themselves and, and kind of grow up right before your eyes and, um, and knowing that, um, they can have this sense of, you know, Hey, I really appreciate all that you did for me. Um, you don't do it for, you, you don't necessarily do it for the, um, the thank yous, but you do it for those moments of, you know, this, this matters, you know, this, the days are long, um, but the years go fast. Um, I will say that they fly by. Um, but you know, it's the, you can have the worst day ever. Um, but, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, that you're doing something that's bigger than yourself. And, and to me, that was always, um, something that I was, um, chasing, you know, I think that's why I played a team sport because, um, I, it was, I don't love attention enough to, to want it to be about me. And it was always about my team. And, and, and so working for a team, um, that's, that's hands down the most um, rewarding thing. If I feel like I can make a difference, um, help somebody's voice be heard, um, you know, teach them something or, or, or just help them get to where they're going. That's, that's hands down the most rewarding thing for me. Yeah. And for me, um, I, I love what I do because I'm helping, you know, build bridges through basketball. Um, basketball has given so much to me and sports in general, just bring people together. Um, so to be able to work in an industry that does just that um, is really special. And also just um, helping people become the best versions of themselves is something I'm, I'm super passionate about, whether it's helping NBA players um, find business opportunities or get involved with grassroots basketball and, helping kids, um, every single part of, of what I do, um, does those two things. Um, so again, just finding something you're passionate about and if it makes a, a meaningful difference in other people's lives, then it's a very special thing. Incredible responses. Really, really good. All night have been great insight and advice. Um, both of you, as, as we're closing, we just want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in. This is week 12 of Women in Sport. It's been awesome to see this grow every single week um, and to continue to do this. You know, we have a couple months in advance of guests lined up, so we're really excited for the future of this. But Rachel and Becca, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. You know, you, you guys said adding value, embracing your role, like doing your best, being confident. And I think both of you exhibit those qualities and what you're doing. And I think you guys inspire a lot of people. So just thank you again for being with us. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the final four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today.